0: You're listening to the New Life Church Sunday Morning Podcast. We're a family of believers in Anderson, Missouri that want to experience God in a real way, both inside and outside the walls of a building. For more Sunday messages, upcoming events, or to get in touch, visit new-life-church.net. Hallelujah. We're going to be looking in, in Luke chapter 11 today, and also Matthew chapter 6, and I'm going to be talking about prayer. Uh, I, I, uh, I want to read this one passage of scripture before I get started, <clears throat> because if I don't, I'm liable to forget. <laughs> Amen. I do appreciate the opportunity to uh, be able to share with you guys, um, and just to be a, a, a help to my pastor today. Amen. Amen. In uh, Luke chapter 11 and the first verse, it says this. It says, And it came to pass that as he was praying, talking about Jesus, it says, As he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And what follows is a version of what we call the lord's Prayer. If you were raised Catholic, you probably know it as the Our Father, and uh we're going to see that over in in chapter Six as well. I love to camp. Anybody in here like to camp? I love camping and man we and and you know camping has got to be done in a tent, okay. An RV is not camping, all right, sorry, you know, but uh, that's not camping, and, uh, but, you know, I remember one time, uh, we were down in South Texas, and, and my daughter Marlinda was with us, and we were making a, a, a trip back from uh, my father-in-law's uh, place, and it was pretty late at night, and we were trying to think of things to kind of keep us awake and alert, and uh, we started talking about, uh, we asked Marlinda, you know, what, what's your favorite memories you know, what? And when you look back over your childhood, what stands out to you? And, uh, you know, and she started naming all these memories that she had. And it was interesting because, like, man, 90% of them had to do with some camping trip that we were on. I mean, you know, we just had some great times camping. I wish I had time to tell you about all the crazy stuff that we've experienced doing that. And, uh, but uh, I love to camp. And, uh, you know, uh, I think one of, the, one of the best feelings, you know, you have is, is like when you're, uh, you know, in the morning, when it's real early and you're laying in your sleeping bag and maybe you can still smell the smoke from the campfire that's just smoldering from the night before. And, uh, and you know, you hear, uh, you can hear so well. It's so quiet out there, but you hear little twigs breaking or whatever. And I can just imagine the disciples traveling with Christ. You know, and the Bible says he didn't have a place to lay his head. You know, he didn't have a home that he just went to every day after he got done with his job. And and they traveled around and I'm sure they slept outside quite a bit. And, and I can imagine, uh, you know, on, on a particular morning when, uh, you know, maybe the disciples were laying there, and, and you know, you lay there with your eyes shut, but you're awake, but you can hear. And, and I can just imagine, maybe they smelt that campfire, and they could hear those little twigs breaking, but in the distance, in the distance, they heard something that was pretty familiar to them, yet very astounding. And that was the words, the prayers of our Lord Jesus Christ being offered to his Father. Amen. As he would do, as the Word of God said, that he would get up early before daybreak and he would come along with his Father, pull himself away from the disciples a little ways, and he would pray and ask God, what would you have me to do today, God? What's my marching orders for the day? That was Jesus. Amen. And and can you imagine what his prayer to his Father must have sounded like? I mean, you know, for all of eternity, Christ was with the Father in unison. And, and He left heaven and came down to earth, you know, uh, took on this robe of flesh to, 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 to be with us. But yet, at the same time, that fellowship that He had with the Father, it was apparent in His mind. He knew who He was. Amen. He, in the book of John, one of the things that he says over and over again is, whatever you see me do, you see the Father do. I only do what the Father says to do. I and the Father are one. You've seen me, you've seen the Father. I mean, that was the kind of relationship that he had. And, and, and I don't know, maybe you grew up in a home uh, to where, uh, you know, there was somebody in your life that was a real prayer warrior. I don't know, maybe you had a grandmother, a grandfather, a mom and dad, or maybe you just knew someone that when they prayed, you knew they were touching heaven. I mean, you know, some people pray, you're not so sure, you know. Maybe it didn't get past the cell I don't know, you know. But then there are those people that you know that when they pray, God's listening, amen. He's got the ear of that person. Of course, God hears every prayer, I'm not saying he doesn't. But you know what I'm saying. But can you imagine what it must have been like for them to listen to Jesus pray? And, and, and on this particular day, we don't know exactly, you know, uh, what, where they were at, perhaps, maybe. But on this particular day, one of his disciples, one of his disciples, I, I, probably, I, I probably lean towards John because he was the most sensitive of the bunch. And, but one of his disciples came to him. And made a request. And it's the only place in the Word of God where I've ever found where the disciple asked Jesus to teach them how to do anything. Which is kind of astounding. Because, I mean, they've seen Him do a lot of stuff. You know? I mean, I could see one of the disciples coming to Christ and saying, Hey, Lord, you know, we're trying to... You know, our our finances are a little low. I mean, you know that turning the water into wine deal you did? I mean, if you taught us how to do that... We could definitely improve our financial situation, I'm sure. We won't need nearly as many donations. Or, or, you know, God, that saw, you know, calming the winds and waves. That was pretty cool. I mean, can, can you show us maybe how to, you know, or, or raising the dead, opening the eyes. But you don't see any of those guys coming to him and asking to learn to do any of those things. But the thing that stands out to them more than anything is the way that he prayed. And somebody had enough gall and brains to come to Christ and said, Lord, will you teach us to pray? Folks, prayer is the most powerful tool that we have in our arsenal It's the thing that we, if we were to do more of, and I mean everybody, and I'm not trying to guilt you, okay, because we could all pray more, right? I mean, but what I'm saying is, if we did more of that, there's no doubt it is the one thing that would improve our lives probably better than anything else. I mean, it would improve our mental state. It would improve our finances. It would improve our relationships. When doing marriage counseling, oftentimes I'll tell a couple, and, and, you know, it's, it's, you know, they could be going through a lot of hard, well, we're here to get our relationship fixed, and, and, you know, this and that, and we can talk about a lot of stuff. But one of the things that I'm always quick to tell them is, let me tell you what you need to do. Every night when you come home, and before you go to bed, you need to kneel down beside your bed, you need to take your spouse by the hand, and you need to pray together. And that's probably the hardest thing for him to do. Why is prayer so difficult? When it doesn't cost us nothing, it doesn't take that much time. I heard Dr. Mark Rutland preach a message on on this very subject the other day, and and he and he said, you know, the, it takes twenty one seconds to pray the Lord's prayer. If you're from Mississippi, it takes like forty five. <laughs> but if. <laughs> but 21 seconds to pray the Lord's Prayer. And and yet, at the same time, it's so hard for us to bring ourselves to pray. Prayer is, is the most powerful thing we can do. Jesus begins teaching his disciples on prayer. And I want you to look over in Matthew chapter 6 is where I'm going to focus my attention. But it starts in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 5. And he gives a little preliminary instruction regarding prayer. And he said, When thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. He said, but thou, when thou prayest, enter into your closet, and when you shut your door, pray to the Father which is in secret, and the, and the Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Now, Christ was not saying that it's wrong to pray out loud. but We know that because He prayed out loud. We have two or three prayers recorded in the Word of God that He prayed out loud. He prayed out loud before Lazarus' tomb. He prayed when He broke the bread and fed the 5,000. Amen. He prayed in this prayer right here. He prayed for His disciples in John chapter 17. We have those recorded so, you know, obviously He prayed it to where somebody could hear it. Because somebody wrote it down. Amen. So He's not saying that we shouldn't pray out loud. He's talking about the motivation of our prayer. You know, those guys, those religious leaders in those days, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, you heard the story he told where there was the Pharisee that was in the temple and and there was the poor old sinner guy over there in the corner with his head down, you know, because he knew that he he was not right with God. And, and, you know, and and the Pharisee goes, Lord, Lord, I'm just glad. I ain't like that guy. I mean, you know, that guy over there, I mean, I do this, you know, I, I pay my tithes, I show up for church, I do this, you know, he was singing the favorite song that so many people sing, me, 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 you know, that's a song God hates, man. And, and, the, and the old sinner had his head, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus said, which one you think went home justified? It was the guy who had the heart who was broken before the Lord, motivated to, to recognize the fact that we are needy and that without God, we got nothing. We got nothing going on without Lord. Amen. And so he's told his disciples and these people he was teaching, he said, Don't, you know, don't, when you, gotta, when you pray, you got to pray the right motivation. It's not about, you know, your religion or your church or, 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 or your heritage. It's about you coming before God and knowing that, hey, without God, we're lost and undone. We got to have him. He's our source. Amen. And he said, If you will spend time alone with the Lord, God will reward you openly. I don't know if I told you this because I'm old, so I forget, okay? But I went to school with this guy that was from Romania. Did I tell you this story? Somebody nod your head if I did because I don't want to bore you. Okay, all right, so I went to school with this guy from Romania. His name was Teo Sacaciu. Tio Sacaciu, that was his name. And and Tio uh, escaped Romania during the communist rule. He literally swam across the Danube River and people were shooting bullets into the water around him. And he he went over two and a half years before he saw his wife and children again because they were still in the country. And, uh, you know, of course, the Berlin Wall fell and all that. I don't know how, anyway. Um, But at any rate, Tio, uh, I went to Bible college with Tio. And To was he was a very interesting young man, and uh, well, one of the things that was interesting about him is he sounded just like Dracula. You know, <laughs> I want to drink your blood. I mean, Romania, I'm from Transylvania. You know, and so like that—that that was kind of—I mean, he sounded like that. You know, so it's like I'm hanging out with Drac, you know, and me and Drac. And so anyway, and, and so like he would—you know—of course, my name's Gary, and, and he would—he would—he would be like, "Gaddy, Gaddy." <laughs> I'd be like, Waddy, Waddy, you know. (laughs) But one day he told me something, you know. He says, Gaddy, he said, in my country there is a valley where they grow flowers for the Holland Market. I said, oh, yeah? Oh, it's beautiful, Gaddy, Beautiful. He said, you can stand on the hill and look down and nothing but colors of flowers that they sell to the Holland Market. And I was like, really? And he goes, you know what's most beautiful about that, Gaddy? No, Tio, what he. <laughs> and he said, because you can go down into that valley and you can spend an hour there. And every place you go the rest of the day, people will know where you've been because the aroma of those flowers will be on you. Jesus said, when you go in and shut yourself up with God in secret, He will reward you openly. Reward you openly. Reward me with what? Oh yeah, he, he, He might bless you with some material thing, but mainly He will reward us With with a reflection of who we'd been with. You know, in the disciples, in the with the disciples in the book of Acts, you read where, you know, the people that were opposing them stood back in one place and they were they marveled and were amazed at the disciples because they were ignorant and unlearned men, but they took note that they they had been with Jesus. Listen, you become like who you hang out with we all know that right especially if you got a past like mine yeah i mean we become like who you hang out with you begin to take on the characteristics of the people that you spend the most time with and if you want to be like jesus if you want to be like god if you want the lord to reflect be reflected in your life we have to spend time with him there's no way we can't come in here an hour and a half a week guys or or however long and and expect you know the the love of god and and the reflection of the lord jesus christ to be seen in our life if we don't spend time with him during the week there's got to be personal prayer we've got to have it amen jesus went on to talk about the prayer that he said don't be repetitious he said what did he say when you pray use not vain repetitions vain means empty empty vain repetitions as the heathen do for they think they shall be heard from their much speaking in other words, don't just your prayer should not be ritualistic. It should be relational. Amen. It comes from a relationship. Those of us that are married, amen, if we were to come home every day and we said the very same exact things to our wife every single day, how do you think that's going to work out? If Khalif came home and every, every, every night he said the same thing to Dallas, Hey, how you doing? I like you a lot. Gotta go. See you. I mean, you know, it wouldn't be very long, and Dallas would be thinking something's wrong with this guy. This is not working. This is not a relationship. We got a little. We got a Memorex tape going on here. That's what we got, you know. And, and so, and, and so, God is no different. We formed a relationship with the Lord, man. When you ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart, you have a relationship with God. Amen. Uh, he, he wants us to know everything that we can know about Him. And He wants to know everything that we can tell Him. He already knows everything about us, but He wants us to tell Him. And He wants to share His heart with us. He wants uh, his, his vision to be implanted in our heart and mind so that we can be all that we can be for God. Are you all with me today? Amen. Hallelujah. And so, and so that can only happen if there's a relationship there. And that relationship has got to be... You know, Jerry Bridges, uh, he wrote a great book one time. It was called The Pursuit of Godliness. I think it was the name of it. And and he talked about what uh, the devotion to God is based on. And he used a a triangle. And, and, you know, devotion being at the top of the pinnacle. Devotion not being a little time that you spend with the Lord every morning. I mean, we know we call that devotions. But that's not really what he meant. He was talking about being devoted. When you're devoted to your wife, Amen. You you want to be with her. You you love her. You protect her. You you want every you know you it's devotion. You, are y'all following me? Three of us, okay. And, and but at the bottom of that triangle. Those two points which creates that devotion is, is based on two things. And, and it's reciprocal. It's sicklier. It keeps going around and around and around. And those two things are these two things knowledge of God and love of God. Knowledge of God and love of God. The more you know about God, the more you love God. The more you love God, the one you're gonna know, the more you want to know about God. Me and my wife got married back in 1987, and she had a little bitty plaque this big, that big, that she cut that little thing out of the newspaper, and she put it on a piece of board, and she put some epoxy over it, one of her earlier craft projects before she became an amazing furniture maker or whatever. Anyway, and so she, and, and this little bitty plaque, entered into our marriage on february 14th 1986 87 sorry and uh and that little plaque is hanging in my dressing area in my house i see it every single day it's just a little newspaper clipping and it says this the more you do for a man the more he loves you the more he loves you the more he does for you the more he does for you the more you love him and so it goes it's very simple. Our devotion to God is the same way. Amen. If You know, why do we go to church? Why do we read our Bible? Why do we want to spend time with God? Why do we want to tell people about Jesus? Because we love Him. We have a relationship with Him. We're devoted to Him. Amen. That devotion has got to be based on something. It's not based on something somebody tells you. It's based on your experience with God. Amen. I mean, I hope I don't run out of time. Okay. Well, i got all kind of time. All right. Y'all are in trouble. Okay. I'm going to get right into it. That was the introduction. Are you ready? (laughs) Only this time I'm not kidding. Okay. (laughs) All right. So Jesus, he begins to give them a model of a prayer. He tells us a prayer. Now, you know, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Huh? In earth as it is in heaven. Right? And so we could quote it very easily, and there's nothing wrong with praying it. It's a great prayer. But that wasn't really what God intended because He just said, don't just be repetitious. Don't say the same thing over and over. That's what He said. He just told us that, like one verse before the prayer. So I got to believe that, you know, there was a little more to it than just, hey, pray this prayer all the time, guys, you'll be good to go. You know, that wasn't exactly what He was saying. But yet at the same time, within this prayer are all the elements that are needed for our faith to be exercised and to see great things occur in our life. Amen. And so it is, a, it is not only a great prayer, but it's a great model of prayer. It's a great model of prayer, and that's what I want to focus on today is, is, is the model that Christ gave us in this prayer. And so very simply, I want to break it down for a minute. He said, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I was sitting over there, and I was praying, and I said, God, could you give me a little confirmation that I'm on the right track here? And when you're a preacher, you do stupid stuff like that. And sis, you're a good, good father. Oh yeah. And I could just feel the Holy Spirit going, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Gone. Sick 'em. <laughs> like putting a pork chop on, you know, around your neck and having a bulldog, you know. And uh, and so anyway, see so anyhow. I want us to, to look at this. How do we start our prayers? How do we start our prayers? Now, listen, you can pray any way you want. God hears every prayer. And, and quite honestly, probably the prayer that he hears and answers the most is a very simple prayer. It actually, it just kind of ends up being one word. Usually it's like, help! <laughs> I mean, that, That's probably the one he hears most. And, 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 you know, responds to very quickly, thankfully. I'm glad he doesn't say, well, you didn't put the rest in there. And so he, he, he definitely, you know, answers any prayer that we're willing to pray. But God gave us a little extended version here so that we could kind of have an understanding. And so he says, you know, when you pray, pray in this in this manner, in this manner. Our Father, which art in heaven... Hallowed be thy name. What was he saying? I believe he was saying that we should enter into our prayer time with praise. Amen. The Bible, you know, David said, you know, uh, uh, that the Lord inhabits the praises of His people. He inhabits the praises of His people. Why do we come together and we have the songs first? (laughs) Huh? I mean, we could do them anytime. We could do them in the middle. We could do them at the end. You know. Why do we do that? Because we're trying to prepare an environment where, the, where we are in an attitude of worship and that the Holy Spirit is free to move amongst in our midst to where He can touch us and help us. And, and so we get our minds stayed up upon how great God is. Hey, come on. I mean, you know, God is great, y'all. Give Him praise. Will you do it? I just want to make sure you're awake. God is great. And so when we begin to pray, man, before we start asking for stuff, before we start, you know, complaining about things, before we get to what we think is important, I mean, you know, we should come into the presence of God with thanksgiving and praise in our hearts and acknowledge who He is. He is our Father. Our Father. Now, some people in this room, that may have a really negative connotation to it. Because, you know, I was fortunate, man. I had a good dad. I mean, you know, he wasn't a great dad. I mean, you know, he never took me fishing. We didn't play ball together. I mean, there was a lot of things we didn't get to do because we grew up kind of poor, and, and he was constantly working and preaching and, and doing what he... But he was a good dad. He loved us, you know. But I don't care how great a dad you had or how bad a dad you had, none of them match up to the Father because our Heavenly Father is Perfect. He loves us with a perfect love. He loves us with unconditional love. Amen. He created us. He knows us better than anybody. I remember when I came to the Lord and, and I got saved and, and, and you know I was so thankful that i wasn 't a drug addict anymore and, and I was just you know thank God you know and, and i and I met my wife like three months later, and we got married like in six months we were married you know and, and man i for the first time in my life i had I was experiencing genuine love you know and and, and I love my wife and I love my parents and and you know for, and you know we were on the same page suddenly my preacher dad was my best friend it felt weird you know we were hanging out together and things you know and, and uh and i thought to myself you know i know i must love god you know but, but i don't feel the love for god like i should i wanted to feel i felt love for my wife i felt love for my parents i wanted to feel the love that i had for god one day i was at a church service and we were praying at the end of the service and I just knelt down there praying and, and, and you know and the Lord started God started speaking to me and he said this he said you love my son because he died for you and I thought well and I could just see Christ on, hanging on a cross shedding his blood for me and then he said this he said you love me because just like your earthly father I forgave you for everything you ever done My dad did too. I caused him a lot of pain, but he forgave me. But all of a sudden, you know, that doesn't sound real um, uh, heavy right now to you. But to me, all of a sudden I realized why I love God. And man, tears just started streaming down my face. I started weeping uncontrollably. And I realized, man, God loves me, man. God loves me. He loves me. Amen. He is my Father. Amen. You know, I, I remember when I was uh, six years old, I grew up in Dallas, Texas. And, and uh, 1963, I was six years old, and Kennedy got killed. Did I tell you the story already? You nod your head if I did. <laughs> okay, six years old, Kennedy. You know, I, I grew up in Dallas. My, my oldest brother was actually there on the parade route when, when, he, when John F. Kennedy got shot. He actually saw it. And uh, but I was six years old. I, I was going to light a whole elementary school, and uh, Miss Watts was my first grade teacher. I'll never forget her. She was a nice lady, and uh, I, I was, she was kind of she always reminded me of Mrs. Lander, the, uh, Landers on Leave It to Beaver, you know. And um, anyway, some of y'all remember that. And anyhow, uh, she was just a sweet lady. But you know, we had one of them old wooden speakers that hung over the chalkboards. You know, y'all remember those? And and the spe- and the principal came over that speaker. And I remember, man, I remember it like it was yesterday. And the principal was very solemn, and he informed us that you know the president had been assassinated, and that he was. Uh, he uh, we were going to do two things. One thing is is that he was going to say a prayer. Hello. He was going to say a prayer. The principal was going to say a prayer. And, and then when, we got, when he got done, everybody was going to stand up and they were going to silently march out of the building. And that's exactly what he did. He said a, he said a good prayer. And, and we got up and left. And I, I, can, I remember all I heard was little feet with little sneakers on them going out the hallway, you know. And, and we went home and was out of school for like two or three days. And, and at my house, we were we were poor. There was five of us living in three rooms. And my mama had a beauty shop in the front of the house. And But somehow or another, my mama had managed to get a hold of one of them old blonde, black and white TV sets that's about that big, you know. And, and uh, the knobs were missing. And you had to ch- switch the channels with a pair of pliers. And it had that fine-tuning knob, which is where I learned the concept of infinity. Because you could turn that thing. <laughs> forever it's like there's no end there's no end and and so i don't know how they made those to where you can never end you know and so but anyway in between turning that little thing uh you know they had the funeral of john f kennedy on and and and, you know, they had Caroline and little John John, who was about my age. He was a little younger than me. And, but I remember seeing him, you know, on the thing. And I remember in my little mind, five or six years old, one, you know, thinking to myself, what it would be like to lose your daddy, you know? And, and I seen him, like, put the flower on the casket or the dirt in the hole or whatever it is. Later, years later... I learned that John F. Kennedy was like one of the youngest presidents we ever had and that uh, he, had a, he, had a, he had a rule in, in the White House. He had a rule in the White House uh, that uh, it didn't matter who he was meeting with, whether it was Khrushchev or de Gaulle or whoever it was that was uh, in in leadership back in those days, that it didn't matter who he was meeting with in the Oval Office or what kind of meeting they were having or how high a level of meeting they were having. None of that mattered. If his children wanted to come in where he was at, they had free access. They would not keep them out of any room that he was in. And he told Secret Service and everybody said, it doesn't matter what I'm doing. If those kids want to come in, they can walk right into any room, no matter who's in there. And they can just crawl right up in my lap. You know what Paul said? Paul said that we can come boldly before the throne of grace. That we can crawl right up in the lap of our father. That we can call him Abba, Daddy. Amen. He is our father. Man, we got a lot to praise God about. When we come into the presence of the Lord, we should recognize the fact of who He is. Hallowed be thy name. Holy is your name. Reverent is your name. Amen. He, he, is, he is to be uh, uh, reverenced and, and to be recognized for who He is. So as we begin our prayer, we should enter into praise. The second thing is, is that we should get our priorities straight. Because he said, listen, after you recognize and acknowledge who God is, he said the second thing is, is thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Thy will, thy will be done in earth. Notice it doesn't say on earth. It says in earth. That's kind of interesting. Amen. I, I never really noticed that until recently but it is kind of interesting because if it had said on earth it would have kind of had a planetary concept like god's trying to accomplish his will on earth but if you notice in luke and also in matthew both of them say in earth you know and well he's not trying to accomplish anything in the he's not making a journey to the center of the earth y'all so what was he saying thy will be done in heaven and in in earth what are we made of made of dust man was formed out of the earth where does he want his will accomplished mostly in us in us we are to have our priorities to the place to where what god is wanting to do in us is more important than we ever thought about doing amen it is important that we recognize the pro- you know uh, can you imagine for a second like in heaven i, I you know heaven's gonna be cool y'all you know that, right? If you don't, well, you'll be surprised. Anyway, it's going to be cool, and I mean, I I can't even imagine. Like we 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 did our Revelation class, and we spent some time talking about what heaven's going to be like. And I have a concept of what heaven's going to be like. I mean, you know, I I feel like it's based on biblical knowledge, but you know, still, it's speculation to a certain extent because I haven't been there, you know. But I do plan on being there sooner or later. And so anyway, but heaven is cool. But, you know, can you imagine, you know, like there's, we know that there's angelic choir in heaven. It says in the word of God, they sang, come on. I mean, you know, you know, God, uh, you know, uh, devil was uh, like a leader of the music or something before he got kicked out of heaven. And so there's definitely music in heaven. I think there's going to be, I know there is because Keith Green's there, uh, you know. What's my other guy? Rich Mullins, he's there yeah so it's going to be good but can you imagine like there's an angelic choir if there's a choir you know god's a god of order everything's in order right amen so god's in order and so if there's a choir there's got to be a choir leader i mean he's not just going to let them be rogue (laughs) and so there's got to be a choir leader so i don't know what his name is we'll call him Harold. you know because hark the herald angel sang and uh so we'll call him Harold. And so like Harold, he's leading the choir, right? And so like they're doing some practicing because they know the big day's coming when Jesus is, is gonna show up and, and uh, you know, bring the church home and, and so he's uh, he's like they're they're running through, you know, what it might be what it might sound like. And God is on his throne and he says, Hang on a second, Harold. Hang on a second there. He said, You know that song y'all sang a couple of thousand years ago? It seemed like it was yesterday. I really like that song. You know, the one that talks about the sun shining or whatever. He said, yeah, I, I, would y'all strike up the band and sing that song? Will you? Can you imagine Harold looking at God and going, well, thank God, we wasn't really planning on singing that song today. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we, got, we got a different agenda going on here. That's not going to happen, right? No, because whatever, is, whatever the will of God is, is going to be accomplished. That's the way it's supposed to work. If it's going to work in heaven like that, it's got to work down here like that. And so he said, in order for us to to make sure that our prayer is going to be effective, we got to get our priorities straight, guys. Amen. we got to ask God. You know, when you get up in the morning and you start praying and asking God, you know, you should ask God, God, what is it you want me to do? Lord, what is it you're trying to accomplish in my heart? You know, God, what kind of divine appointments have you set for me? You know, and 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 the Lord will speak to you if you'll listen. Amen. I've had people before tell me, well, you mean God talks to you? Are you like nuts? You know, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit comes inside to dwell within us for what reason? To lead, guide, and teach us in all truth. Okay? How's He going to do that if we're not listening to Him? we got to be able to hear Him. I mean, He speaks to us all the time. Sometimes we don't recognize it, maybe. Maybe we're not used to hearing Him. You know, when you first start listening to the voice of God, it may seem a little foreign to you, but the closer you get to the Lord and the greater the relationship you have with Him, the quicker you'll recognize when He's speaking to you. It it probably is not going to come through an audible ear voice, although it could if He wants to because He's God. He can do anything He jolly well pleases. Hello? Amen. But more than likely, it's going to come in your heart, in an impression that God gives you in your mind. Amen. Something that encourages you or exhorts you or or leads you in a certain direction so that you can be a blessing to somebody. And if we will make it a, a point that our priority is to be God's priority, not our priority, but God's priority, Lord, Your will. Your will, Lord. Your will. When I was raising my girls... I told them, we tried to instill in them one truth. And that is that the most important thing in your life is the will of God. Who you marry, where you go to school, where you work, where you live. It doesn't matter what it is. I believe God's perfect will is is the most important thing. Because you know what? If we get in the will of God, everything will be okay. Now that's not the safest place to be. But it's the best place to be. Paul was in the will of God. Man, he got stoned, left on the side of the road, dead. I mean, you know, uh, thrown in prison, shipwrecked, beat uh, numbers of times. Uh, he wasn't out of the will of God. He was doing exactly what God told him to do. It's not always the safest place, but it is the best place. Amen. Because it is the place God wants us to be. Hallelujah. Hallelujah priorities if you're writing it down third thing provision now this is where most of us start our prayer (laughs) give us this day our daily bread right give us this day our daily bread this is where most of us start our prayer man we don't give him praise we're not really concerned about whether our hearts in tune with god or we're in line with the priorities of the lord i mean most of the time we're hitting our knees okay god that's it man we i got a car payment coming up and I gotta pay the rent. And I need you to do this and I need you to do that. And and pretty soon, you know, we're like we got the wish book out, huh? When I was a kid growing up, my mama had how many of y'all? None of y'all. Maybe, well, maybe some. Green stamps. Does anybody remember green stamps? I cannot believe there's that many people that remembers green stamps. Y'all are old. <laughs> <laughs> most of the luxuries that I had as a kid came from the green stamp store I am telling you the truth my my, my mama was a beauty operator and she was turning old women's hair purple for like 75 cents a head man and, and I mean, we were barely making it. My daddy had a sixth grade education and preached for a living, and, and it's kind of hard to live on two dimes and a button. You know what I'm saying? And and so like, we wasn't always we wasn't racking in the big offerings. And so anyway, uh, but this is what I got to say. I mean, like, I would get that book out that 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 green stamp book, you know, the catalog, and my my mom would call it the wish book. What well, you know, the wish book. You look at it and wish what you had, you know. And so often, you know, we look at God and, we, and we, it's like he's a wish book. God, I just wish I had this. God, I wish I had that. You know, amen. God can bless. He has blessed me far beyond what I've what I ever dreamed. You know, I'm not rich in this world. Amen. I don't have a, bunch, a savings account that's got much money in it. Amen. I don't have any retirement, no 401K. I don't even have health insurance. Hello. But I can tell you this. I got a reward laid up in heaven. Amen. I got riches laid up in heaven that moth can't eat, rust can't corrupt, and thieves can't steal. Amen. And and God has kept us healthy and wealthy and wise. Amen. He, He made sure that our needs are met. You know what the Word of God says? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all of these things shall be added unto it. Amen. If you will serve God, if you'll put God first, if you'll do what God wants you to do, you know, Amen. Be a, be a tither, be a giver, be a lover, Amen. Get, let God use you, and and let me tell you something. You when you face hard times, don't worry about it. God will carry you through it. He always has. I've never I've never had one bill go delinquent. I ain't never had my lights turned off or any cars get repo. Amen. God has always been there. He is faithful, y'all. Give us this day our daily bread what is the inference there the inference is is that if we're going to have this day our daily bread then and we're going to have to ask for it then apparently we must need to pray every day he didn't say give us this week our weekly bread Give us this day our daily bread. It stems all the way back to the children of Israel in the wilderness when God called manna to fall down from heaven. And they get up in the morning and go out there outside their tent. And here's all this cornflake looking stuff laying on the ground. And the word manna in the Hebrew literally means, what is it? They didn't know what to call it. They ain't never seen nothing like it since or before. And yet they would walk out there, and there it would be. All over the ground. And God told him, He said, Hey, gather it up. It doesn't matter whether you gather a bunch or a little. Amen. There's always going to be enough for you each day. On the seventh day, you need to get two days. Sixth day, you get two days because you don't have to work on the seventh. And so and so they would go out there and and you know they would gather up. And and but guess what? If they let it sit overnight, the next day, if they tried to hoard it up. The next day it had worms in it and it stunk because God doesn't want you running on yesterday's blessings. He doesn't want us running on yesterday's prayers. He wants our praises and our prayers to be renewed every day. Every day we got to be dependent upon the Lord. Give us this day our daily bread. Our provision is based on Him. Amen. Listen, your job is a source. Your job is a source. I mean, is a a conduit. But God is the source. God is the source. He is the beginning of it all. And you know what? You can very well be a conduit as well if you're willing. You know, uh, I learned a long time ago, somebody told me, uh, Gary, if you keep your hand open, God will let a lot of money flow through it. But the moment you close it up, it stops. God wants to use us. He wants to use all of us. Amen. He wants us to be open vessels, conduits that He can flow through. Amen. So that we can be a blessing to somebody else. We we have a little saying at our house, blessed to be a blessing. Blessed to be a blessing. Amen. If we're blessed, it must mean that there's somebody needs a blessing. Hello? I ain't getting too many amens on this one. (laughs) Okay. Hey, this is a poor God. I'll just say that. This is a poor God. Don't be sitting on your God. I ain't the pastor so I can say it. <laughs> this is a poor God, man. This, is not, this, is, this should not be our God. Our checkbook should not be the... We should not have to look into our checkbook to find out what level of faith we're at. Amen. God is, God owns the cattle on a thousand hills, man. I'm not talking about being stupid. You know, and just, you know, I'm, I'm, oh, I'll go claim a Cadillac. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about being aware of the fact that God will meet every need that you have. He will bless you beyond anything you can ever imagine if you'll just trust Him and believe Him. Amen. That, that was free. Didn't that cost you nothing? All right. Almost done, y'all. Okay, verse 12. He said, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Okay, so we've got praise, priorities, provision, personal relationships. Personal relationship. Your relationship with God, your prayer with God can't be any better than your relationship with other people. Oh, are can I get an amen in this house? <laughs> I said your relationship with God is not going to be any better than your relationship with other people because God wants us to love one another. What did he say? Hey, he told his disciples, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples. How? By your love one for another. Amen. You're going to exhibit that love. And so when we, when, you know what the devil loves to do? He loves to bring in conflict into your life to where personal relationships stop up the joy and, and, the, and the testimony and your ability, amen, to be what God wants you to be. And if there's things that, are, that he's bringing into your life to, to bring that kind of conflict, we got to deal with that. And look what Jesus said. He said we should say, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. In Luke, He said, forgive us our sin as we forgive those who sin against us. And even in this passage, in this prayer, there's only one... Man, my hand fell asleep. Okay, uh, there's only one uh, P.S. that he added on to the end of this prayer. It didn't have anything to do with provision. It didn't have anything to do with priorities. It didn't even have anything to do with praise. But look at the end of this prayer, what he says in verse 14. Oh, by the way, the Amen is already there. But look what he says in verse 14. Oh, it was like P.S., by the way. In addition, addendum. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. How important it was for uh, Him to emphasize to us, amen, that man, forgiveness is key, man. We have to be willing to forgive other people because, listen, that is, that is an area right there that the devil uses to stifle us. It can happen in our homes, in our church, on our jobs, with our children, it does, you know, our relatives. It, 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 if, he can, if he can bring conflict in our lives through other people, and that's how he does it. Come on. The devil doesn't usually show up at your house with a D8 bulldozer announcing to you that I'm fixing to knock this house down. That ain't the way he does it. Amen. What did what did Paul say? Paul said that we battle not against flesh and or flesh and blood, but we battle against spiritual wickedness in high places. But what does he use? He uses flesh and blood. That's why Paul said that. He said, "Guys, you're not battling that guy over there. You're battling the devil." Satan is the one that's behind that. Amen. I got to tell you a story. All right. Me and my wife first got married. We were living in this little trailer house, right? And uh, so, we were a young married couple. Well, we were a married couple. I was twenty nine, but I acted like I was young. And uh, and so anyway, uh, we we had one of our first good arguments on a Sunday right after we got home from church. And we were fixing the dinner, and, and you know I was twenty nine years old. I mean, you know I, I I'd cook. Man, I started cooking breakfast for myself when I was five years old. I mean, you know I didn't need nobody cook for me you know i'd done uh, although i do appreciate that you know, and uh, but i i had done that many times in my life and so like we were in the kitchen and uh, and i remember uh i forget exactly what what was going on she wasn't tearing the lettuce up right or something and and uh, so i made mention of the fact that that's not how you do it and the next thing you know and of course we had just come from church have you ever noticed that the devil loves to get an argument going on the way to church or on the way home from church There's a reason for that. He has a plan. Amen. He's trying to steal what you got, right? And so we had just come from church, and me and her got in this argument, and man, we were getting going really good. The volume was getting high. And all of a sudden, it was like there was something clicked in my brain. And I realized, this is the devil. Uh, Not her, the devil. (laughs) And just out of the blue... I, I acted like I was grabbing the devil by the nap of the neck, right? And so I come running up to the front door of our little trailer house, and I kicked the door open, and I said, Get out of my house, you devil! Like that. And our neighbor was out there watering the lawn. <laughs> and she looked over at us. <laughs> She's like, I ain't going to their church. I don't know what... Crazy Pentecostals right there, buddy. Anyway, but that's exactly what was going on. Sometimes you just got to take control. Amen. Hallelujah. Forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors, and lead us not into temptation. So after, besides the personal relationships, protection, protection. Amen. Lead us not into temptation. Now that's a that's a funny that's a funny verse because I'll tell you why. Because in the book of James, it clearly states that Jesus doesn't tempt. God doesn't tempt any man. He says, neither can God be tempted. And he says that we are tempted when we are uh, drawn away by our own lust and enticed. And when lust is conceived, it brings forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. That's what the Bible says in the book of James. There's no place in there for God to to be involved in our temptation. Uh, Now, God sends tests our way, and, and oftentimes we're like the children of Israel. We turn our test into a temptation. God sent tests to the children of Israel. If they had just passed the test, things would have been much better for them. But they turned the test into a temptation by doubting God. Amen. And so uh, God doesn't tempt man. So what does He say? Why would we pray, lead us not into temptation? And my, my take on that is, is that what is God is saying really is, God, don't let our hearts be such that we are susceptible to the temptations of the enemy. Amen. Help us, help us, Lord, that our hearts and minds are guarded by Your Word and by Your Holy Spirit. Amen. So that when the devil comes and tempts us, just like he did with Jesus, he came to Jesus in the wilderness and tempted him. But what did Jesus do? Satan, the Word of God says this. The Word of God says that. Amen. His heart was bound to the Word of God. Amen. He knew who his father was. He didn't have to prove to anybody that he was Christ. Amen. He knew God had already infused within him an awareness that he was a son of God. He was the son of God. Amen. And so we, too, have to be in a state to where we're not going to allow the enemy to have access to our heart. There's an old Haitian Tra- uh, Haitian story about a man who had a hut that and, and, and a little house and and this other man wanted to buy his house. And, he's, and he pressed him daily, sell me your house, sell me your house. He said, no, I'm not going to sell you my house. I want to keep my house. He said, sell me your house. Finally, the man said, okay, I'll tell you what, I'll sell my house. I'll sell you my house under one condition. He said, what's that? He said that I retained ownership of one Square inch. He said, okay. He said, where do you want it? He put it right over the front door. A little square inch right there. One day the man wanted his house back. You know what he did? He nailed a dead dog to that square inch. The stench from the dog run the man out of his house. It's just a story. (laughs) Doubt if it really happened. But it does have a moral. When you allow the enemy to have access to your life in any way, shape, or form, amen, he becomes a, like a dead dog. It's a stench. In the Word of God, there's a verse of Scripture, I can't tell you exactly where it's at right this second, but it says, Do not give place to the devil. Don't give place to the devil. I was reading that one day, and I'm real, I'm real big on looking up the Greek words. I, you know, I can't get very far in it because I'm not a Greek scholar, but I like looking at them. And, and I, I looked up that word place. Don't give place to the devil. And you know what that word place means in the Greek? It was a word that was used like a holster to put your, sh- your, your sword in. Like a leather holster or scabbard to put your sword in. And so what is he saying? Don't give place to the devil. He's like, man, don't give the devil a spot for him to place a weapon. That's powerful. Amen. Because if we allow the enemy to have access to our life in any shape, form, or fashion, he will, he, he's a great real estate guy. You give him a little bit of property, he will expand. Amen. He knows how to develop that property he's got and expand in your life. Protection. Last thing. Praise. Look how He ends His prayer. For thine, huh? For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. He began the praise or the prayer like He started the prayer with praise. Praise. Hey, listen. At the end of our time with God, hey man, we need to acknowledge that whatever it is we're asking God, He's going to take care of. Whatever it is we're bringing to the cross, it's done, dude. If you bring it to the throne room, you lift it up to God. You leave it alone. Don't take don't take it back out with you. When you come in here and you bring your burden to the Lord, you need to walk out without that burden. Don't take it home with you. Amen. Don't ask God to to relinquish something from you and then walk and then pick it up and carry it back out. That's not what God wants. He said, "Come unto me, all ye that are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Cast your care upon me, huh?" Amen. Take my yoke upon you because it's, it's easy, it's light. God's, God didn't say we wouldn't have to bear something, but let me tell you, the only thing God wants us to bear is the cross. That's the only thing He wants us to bear is the cross. The rest of it, He'll take care of. Amen. He said, take up your cross, follow me. Praise God. I want you to stand with me today. Thank you for being so patient with me. We're going to end this this service today with a prayer, and we're going to base it on what we just just did right here. And so, uh, we're going to bow our heads, and I'm, I'm going to I'm going to pray, and you feel free to pray. I'm not one of these people that thinks that God can't hear more than one person at a moment. So if you want to pray out loud, you just go ahead and pray. Don't worry about it. It's, I'm pretty sure He can handle it. He. <laughs> Somebody said. Somebody told one uh, who was a Deal Moody or something one time. And they said, "Why are you so loud? You know, God's not deaf." And he said, "Well, he's not nervous either. You know, <laughs> doesn't make him nervous. He's he's good to go." Okay, so we're gonna pray. We're just gonna pray. All right, would you do it with me? So you just bow your heads with me today, and we're just gonna try to follow this. If I can remember it by heart, if I skip one, forgive me. Amen. Hallelujah. Father God. Lord, we just come into this place today, God, with thanksgiving. God, I praise you. Father, I praise you. I praise you that you are such an awesome God. Lord, you have done so much for me in my life and in the lives of these people standing here today. God, you've delivered many of us from drugs and alcohol. God, you brought us from from bad relationships and abusive homes. God, you've brought healing. You've healed wounds. You've met needs, God, in ways that we could never even dream. God, we know for a fact that you are our good Father. You're a good, good Father. And that you love us. And oh God, we praise you for that. Lord, we ask God that our hearts, God, would be open. Lord, Father, to to the way that you would have us to go. Lord, let our will submit to your will, God. Lord, don't let us go our own way like sheep that are going astray that Pastor talked about. But God, help us to follow the shepherd. Lord, help us to follow You with a will that is submissive to Your will, God. And Lord, we pray, God, that as as needed, that You would let us know what that will is. God, that You would reveal it to us, God, in our hearts, through the Word of God, through, through the ministry, Father. Lord, reveal it to us, Father. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank You, Lord, for the needs that we have, and we know that You're going to meet. Lord, You said in Your Word, Father God, that, that uh, we should not worry about anything. Take no thought for tomorrow, because tomorrow might not even show up. But God, You said in Your Word, Lord God, that You would supply every need according to Your riches, Lord. According to Your riches. We are not needy people in the sense that we have no uh, resources. God, we're needy people in spiritually, Father. Lord, because we just need more of You. Lord, God, if we just get more of you, everything else that's around us will be taken care of. And God, if there's needs that are in this house, financial needs, physical needs, Lord, relational needs, I pray, God, that you would meet those needs today. Lord, that you would just miraculously, supernaturally, Lord, just come by this week and begin to bring, uh, uh, Lord, freedom and liberty in those areas. Lord, we bring personal relationships before you today, God. Lord, the last place, God that we should have conflict is, is, as a Christian. God, Lord, let your love, God, be apparent in our life, God. Help us be willing to forbear others, uh, to overlook others' faults, Lord, and to forgive, God, where it is needed. And God, if we need to ask forgiveness, Lord, give us the courage and the boldness to go to our brother or sister and ask them to forgive us for what we've done. Lord, help us, Father God, to have our relationships right. Lord, if, if there's spouses and couples here that are struggling in their marriage, I pray, God, that the love of God would just begin to just abound in their homes. And, Lord, that it would just overtake, Lord, their lives. And that Satan would be cast out. Hallelujah. Father, let our hearts be in tune with You so that when temptation comes our way, we are strong in the Lord. Help us to put the armor of God on, to have our helmet of salvation and our breastplate of righteousness and be girded with the truth. Lord, that when Satan attacks us, God, Lord, that we are not ill-equipped. But Lord, we'll be strong in You. And Lord, Father, God, we just praise You. We just praise You. Praise You for the time that we've had today. Praise You, God, for what You've done and what You're going to do. And we just careful to give you praise and honor and glory in jesus name would you give the lord praise today hallelujah glory to god